Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Hormone Helper Podcast. I'm Coach Andrew, your Hormone Helper from Fit for All Fitness. I personally coach over 1,600 men and women to help better understand their hormones so they can lose weight and get their metabolism back on track. With this podcast, you're going to hear from me and my special guests about everything from metabolism to thyroid to weight loss. And we even talk a little bit of sexy time as we chat to spread more knowledge thick like butter on your hormones. If you're ready to learn, I'm ready to share. So let's do this. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in today. Before I go into today's podcast information, I want to remind everyone of the seminar that I have coming up on March 28th on boosting testosterone naturally with food. Uh, This seminar is coming to fruition from all of the men that I met in person who asked about their testosterone levels. For those of you who don't know, our hormones have been under attack, especially in the last 30 years, all from chemical toxins, food additives, and even the degrading of muscle mass that's been happening over generations. And little did we know that the average man now has two thirds less of testosterone that his grandfather has. So for most men now, they're finding that their moods are terrible, their body fat is higher, their libido is really low, and it's been hard for them to stay active and keep muscle on their body. So basically we put together this uh, masterclass from the testosterone perspective. Uh, So if your partner or uh, you are experiencing these issues, then I encourage you to go into the show notes and pre-register for the early bird on this one. So the cost for the early bird is $33 for the first 10 people. uh, And then it's going to go up over the span of March. So this will be my first little uh, intro to it to make sure, of course, that uh, you guys hop on as soon as you get it and you can take advantage of that pre-pre-sale as you'd like to call it. So you can register and sign up for the seminar using the link in the show notes. Uh, Now, for those of you who don't see the link, or if you're driving and you're the type of person who's listening to the podcast in the car, that's kind of a me person, then you can also shoot me over an email at uh, andrew at F-I-T number four, A-L-L studio.com. And just say that you want the seminar details on testosterone so I can hook you right up. That is the plan. All right, now into the good stuff for today. So last week, I had a conversation at a networking event where I watched a woman frantically searching for a plate to put her food on. For some reason, I have this weird attunement to people who are like, choking, coughing, or seem to be struggling or searching for things. Every time I go to events, it's like my radar. It always seems to be up. Maybe it's the coach in me. could also be the empath in me as well, I guess. Um, Either way, I could tell that this woman, she needed a damn plate. And she's walking around looking through the room, but she's just somehow kept missing the ones that were right in front of her. So I went over to her and I passed her one off the table. And immediately she was like, no, I can't use this plate because it's plastic. So immediately I think to myself, oh, why don't we see where this goes? And I made that decision to introduce myself. So I led with a question and the question was why the concern with the plastic? Just curious. And for the next 10 minutes, I was walked through a chemical called BPA and how it's an endocrine disruptor. So she actually knew a lot. I will say she had worked with a nutritionist. She's seen a gynecologist and apparently now she's working towards getting her hormones back on track with a, with a professional, which is great. Uh, I'll protect more of the specifics uh, as she isn't a client of mine, but 
whole purpose of this was we shifted into a conversation to talking about hormones and her focus on the issues that she had going on with her health and how they built up over time. So convo continues, and then it leads us back to the plates. Why the focus on the plates? So you see, there's many things in this world that can act as what we call endocrine disruptors. So basically it's a chemical that can enter the body through food and through personal care products, which interferes with the way that your body produces hormones. So these endocrine disruptors or EDCs, as I'm going to refer to them in this podcast, can do really three things to the way that your hormones function. So I'm going to go through them one by one so you can start to understand how they affect you as a person. So number one, they can act like hormone mimics, which means that they can pretend to act like a specific hormone. So when the body does a system check, it skips over these chemicals because it thinks, hey, this hormone's the real deal. Now, the problem with this is that your body's going to build up these chemicals over time and store them. And before you know it, your hormone system thinks that it has an excess of whatever the hormone that the chemical is copying. So if you have too much or too little of a single hormone, then your body's going to attempt to compensate by adjusting the production of how much you make. So by mimicking a hormone, it increases the chance of your body to overreact or to react at the wrong time. So this is actually a huge long-term cause of hormone imbalance. Because this process takes years to happen, but it slowly degrades your hormone panel until you have this imbalance present on a daily basis. So that is the first way. Now, as for the second way these EDCs can disrupt your hormones is for these chemicals to act as what we call inhibitors. So basically inhibitors are hormone lockers. So these prevent certain hormones from being activated or even produced in your body. So that's right. If you eat enough of this chemical junk, your body could actually stop making certain hormones in your body. And they're finding this now with mid teens, like mid teens to 25, because they're eating a lot of chemically processed food. So the way that they do this is they block the pathway between the natural hormone you make and your body's hormone receptor. So our bodies have these receptors in each and every single one of our blood cells. And these little openings are actually right in the center of the cell. And basically they turn themselves on in order for the cell to receive the actual hormone. The body works this way. So any blood cell that's floating around can be capable of taking whatever hormone you need right in that moment, and then go ship it off to a specific place in your body. So when you have an inhibitor floating around as a chemical, it actually tells the cells that they are full. So even if they don't have a hormone attached to them, it's like, hey, you have a hormone, you don't need any more. So from a long-term perspective, if we have enough of these that shut down, our body can't properly circulate hormones in our system. Now for the third way. So the third way these EDCs work is it acts like a producer. So when an EDC acts like a producer, it may act directly on a hormone gland So an example of this is like it acts on your thyroid or it acts on your adrenal glands, which causes it to make either too much or too little of a hormone. So EDCs work pretty straightforward in this case, in which your body gets multiple fake signals to make more or less of a specific hormone. So like great example of this, imagine your body thinking it has three thyroids. 
So if it feels from all of these multiple signals that it has this much, then it's going to create the hormones needed essentially to support all three, even though two of these signals are coming from something else and not actually coming from your body. Or imagine the body thinking that it has no ovaries or testicles. So therefore you stop making hormones in those areas. That's a really common thing where people now are having overactive thyroids or underactive thyroids because the thyroid tends to be the thing that's affected first um, or your sex gonads. So having ovary issues or having testicle issues is getting very, very common now. So these are the three ways that endocrine disruptors affect your body. So the big question is, where can you find all of these EDCs? Well, if you're going to walk through your own house right now, I think, or I suspect that you would have at least half a dozen at sitting around, probably just in your kitchen, because they are in everyday products we use, almost everything that we drink. Oh yeah. And they're also in the food that we consume too. Now I could spend this entire podcast listing every single one of them, but talking about this today isn't about making you super paranoid about this stuff. It's really to give you a clear and tangible step on which ones matter. So that way you can see notable, noticeable changes for your hormones. So you're not going to have hundred percent of all these endocrine disruptors out of your system. You're not going to live endocrine disruptor free because technically your phone has a signal. There's other things that involve endocrine. So we're not going to get this hundred percent, but what I'm going to do is basically just go through the main ones that are bad for overtime exposure and then ones that cause direct and severe changes to your hormones. So if you can focus on those two groups, well, then that should clear up a significant amount of hormonal symptoms that you might be experiencing right now. So let's start with from the long lasting or, or long term exposure standpoint. First one that the first chemical that I want to talk about is BPA or BPS. So BPAs or getting a BPA free water bottle, like I'm sure you've heard before, these are found in plastics that we store our food in or that we drink our water from. So remember that quick mention earlier of BPA, that poor woman, how she was at the networking event searching for plates, right? So I spoke to her at the networking event and she didn't even know that they had switched BPA to BPS so they could say that it's BPA free. So BPS is actually just a different molecule chain for BPA. Basically what they did is the same thing that they did with sugar on most uh, nutrition labels or packets. They changed the chemical structure of sugar and then they say it's sugar free. But then when you inject the ingredients, it says it has sucralose, which is liquid sugar. So basically BPA and BPS can be found on pr pretty much everything that has plastic and they're interchangeable between each other. So plastic labels, plastic meat wraps, plastic water bottles, uh, meal prep containers, and sunscreens or things that you're applying on your body. So the transfer for this chemical is really based on heat or length of time spent in storage. One thing I'll say is absolutely everything in this world breaks down and have a shelf life, even plastic. It's impossible not to. So for each hour of every day, anything you hold in plastic is slowly going to seep and the seepage of BPA goes onto it or within it. And now this gets worse with heat. 
because a higher intensity of heat breaks down the molecules of the plastic faster, which makes it break down more and more and then pull the chemicals in. So a fine example of this, take a cheap plastic water bottle that you're leaving in the sun. You leave it in your car, maybe it's over there overnight, you wake up, it's 30 degrees, and then all of a sudden you get in your car, you're like, oh, I'm thirsty, and you down that entire water bottle. So now you have more BPA or BPS in your system. So once you eat or drink or apply onto yourself what was in that plastic container, that is when BPA and BPS gets into you. So here is my recommendation for this one. Don't use plastic or refrain from pl plastic, period. So I refrain from plastic, period. There we go. I personally have a metal water bottle that I reuse, and I have a steel thermos that I have them fill my coffee in. So I'm one of the guys that saves the 10 cents by getting them to refill the thing now that they're finally doing that after COVID. Or I ask them for a mug when I stay at a coffee place. So I'm not, don't give me the plastic cup, give me the actual mug because there's no BPA in ceramic that's there or in the steel. Now, in terms of food, I have glass containers with rubber lids for my food. And for my meat, my local butcher uses a wax-free butcher paper. So it's literally like, uh, like paper itself to wrap my meats. And then it goes straight in the freezer. So really, I don't buy anything that comes in a box or a bag as I buy my food fresh. So for me, if I can limit the amount of plastic around me, then I can ensure that I'm not absorbing a heavy amount of BPA. Now, in reality, I'm not going to be able to limit this 100%. After all, let's be realistic. I can't control where food was stored. I can't control where food was placed when going out to dinner. I also can't control what cups I get served in at friends' places and such. But ultimately, what I'm talking about is, is about leaving pennies on the floor so we can pick up the dollars. You know, you know what I mean by that? Probably not a good example is like pennies are dead <laughs> at this point. But you get a special, you know what, you get a special gold star from me if you got that example. So we're focusing on the dollars, not the pennies here that are going to make the big change from the hormones. So that's BPA. BPA is the big one that I want you to focus and try to remove the plastic. Now, after BPA, we have triclosan and benzophenone. So triclosan and benzophenone 3, these chemicals are found in items that you would apply onto yourself. So think makeup, your body wash, nail polish, nail cleaner, sunscreen, skin cream, and the worst of all for this, body deodorant. I say the worst of all is most people men being the worst for this, by the way, use like that 24 hour and 48 hour deodorant on themselves. Like they're so smelly that they need this. Like I need 48 hours of protection that I'm putting on myself daily. You know? So what happens is they don't properly wash their armpits or I should say thoroughly. I'm sure you all wash your armpits, but then you continue to reapply and you stack that daily, even though it has enough to prevent smell for like 48 hours. So just think anything that says that it stays on your skin for a certain time, that's how long it's spending absorbing into your skin and changing your hormones. So these two chemicals mainly cause your body to change your estrogen levels. And that is because the skin is maintained by your hormone estrogen. 
So really, the more you apply these products, let's say makeup, for example, the more your skin reacts and becomes more estrogenic. And then over time, over weeks, months, years, you're going to start to experience high estrogen symptoms with your skin. So you're going to have acne breakouts. You're going to have clogged pores. You might have hives or itching and even excessively oily skin or type of eczema stuff due to the overproduction of estrogen. So if you're experiencing these issues, here's what I recommend, or I recommend this for everybody when it comes to, to products is switch to all natural products. Yes, they don't last long. Yes, they are scent free. So you're not going to smell like a lavender snowflake pine or whatever the heck the smells are now. But the reality is, is they're not going to last long or sorry, is they, is they don't last long because the natural ingredients on the skin, they actually break down and they don't make it deep into your skin layer for absorption by your hormone system. So here's what I do for my deodorant. I have a natural one that I wear when I go out with people and for when I work out. Otherwise I shower twice a day and I don't wear it. So truthfully, if you're the type of person who's worried about your smell, or something like that, you should be more concerned about your diet as foods largely contribute to smell and odor. So work on clearing out the junk foods and your smell will improve and you're not going to need to be wearing deodorant all the time for not being active. But for me at home, I don't see a point unless I'm going out, right? And I shower twice, I'm good. I don't smell. Now for soap, I found one for me that didn't have these two chemicals. And the same thing with my skincare routine. So I don't have any affiliation with any skincare brands. There's tons of different products out there. Um, actually, you know what? I'll, what I'll do is I'll, I'll drop the email of a, of a great colleague, Sam, uh, in the show notes. She's partnered with, uh, I think it's called uh, Neora. Anyway, she's working the skincare brand practically all her life. Uh, if you need someone to help search through products and you're like, I don't want to have the time to go through every single product chemical and you want to find one that's quality and chemical free. Um, just send her over a message and she can happily recommend different products and stuff like that. So um, ultimately though, it's about you finding products that work for you and for your skin. So make sure you take your time, actually talk to a professional who spends time with these products every day and pay attention with what's going on your skin, what's going on your body, what you're rubbing on yourself. And the same thing from a sunscreen perspective too. So one, you should be wearing sunscreen if you're going to be out period, any type of the day, or even with computer monitors. But a lot of people are putting these, these sunscreens or these like hand, um, creams, that's what it is, hand creams or body lotion. And they have a ton of chemicals and that's what's causing all of their skin issues. Plus is giving them hormonal issues as well too. So start to focus on those. Now for the last part of gradual EDCs, I want to talk about what is in food because this is really important. We all see those ingredient lists on the back of boxes, on bags, and guess what? No one reads them. If you go and you ask someone, hey, when's the last time you read the nutrition label? People are going to be like, I, who does that, right? Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you that what you're going to do after this podcast is you're going to start looking for these things on the food label because these things are going to be preservatives. These chemicals are going to be preservatives that are used to keep the foods from going bad. And these preservatives, chemically, they're called parabens. 
So these parabens, they're seen as a foreign substance in the body. And what that happens is it causes an excessive increase in inflammation and digestion in the gut. So when we consume too many of them, they actually start to become endocrine disruptors and they build estrogen actually inside your stomach. And that ends up wreaking havoc anywhere. So remember, if you're going to get anything from this podcast, too much estrogen is the enemy of all hormone panels. So estrogen with parabens is really big. So which parabens are we looking out for? So you want to be looking out for the names, the actual names that are going to show up on the food labels themselves. So here's a list of names. One, trans fats. Two, sodium or potassium nitrate. Three, monosodium glutamate or MSG. Big surprise, we've all heard MSG before. The people say that they're removing it from food, but there's still a lot of things with MSG in it. Artificial food coloring, high fructose corn syrup, aspartame, BHA, and BHT. You don't need the full chemical name because that's exactly what it's going to show up on the label. So essentially, these are used in 95% of what we preserve as food. And normally, they're attached to either a salt base or sugar base. So for centuries, salt or sugar has been the, the way to dry food or to store food in a dry form because it holds on and prevents liquid from growing, which goes mold. So essentially, either a salt base or a sugar base, which is where these come from. So I'll say this, this stuff again, so you can, you can get it. Trans fats, sodium slash potassium nitrite, MSG, artificial food coloring, high fructose cone syrup, aspartame, BHA, and BHT. So with this, best recommendation, it's what I choose. I choose to buy organic and local. I know how the farmers are growing the food around me. I know what type, where the types of pesticides they use or what type, if any, if it's an absolute necessary. And I know that my food is coming direct from the source straight to me. So I don't have to worry about any preservatives to keep the food from going bad. Now, here's a wild example of this is apples. A California red apple spends an average of nine months in storage and then three to five months being in store and then sold for you to eat. So those pesticides and preservatives that are used to keep it holding for that long also take just as long for you to process through your system of digestion. So from a realistic perspective, I know that sometimes getting fresh food or having access to a farmer, it's not convenient or it's very, very expensive. So what I want you to use is this rule. If it comes in a box or a bag and has four or more ingredients, find an alternative for it. Because the first four ingredients make up more than 90% of what is in that food item. So look for those chemicals that I just listed and make sure that they aren't there. Now for the last part of this podcast, and that's going to be immediate D EDCs, uh, the endocrine disruptors that alter hormones right away. Basically this comes down to medication. People do not realize that birth control, thyroid medication, 
weight loss medication, medication for depression or stress management are all estrogen bases because estrogen is the easiest digestible way for you to get a hormone or something in your body. So when your doctor prescribes these things, they're never going to talk to you about the symptoms ever. They're never going to talk to you about the side effects ever, not because they don't know them. Here's why. If you tell someone, Hey, I'm going to give you a needle. This is going to hurt. Then what happens is, is they're like, ow, that hurt. Rather, if you go, Hey, you'll be fine. Then it may or may not hurt them. People are very psychosomatic. I believe that's the word psychosomatic. Yeah. Where they get in their head. This is a Google thing. Now I'm going to search psychosomatic, I think. Anyways, okay. People get up all in their heads when they start to think, oh, I might be experiencing one of the symptoms on the bottle. And then you start to manifest that symptom because that's the way that the brain works. If you start, and this is a fun thing at the, at, at an office, don't do this at the office, but I'll, I'll tell you anyways, maybe you, I'll let you decide. I'll let you guys be the grownups and do it. If you go to the office and 10 of your coworkers, uh, you decide for one of your coworkers, you say to yourself, Hey, you know what? We're just going to go up to Tom here. And every day we're going to tell him for a week, Hey man, are you okay? You don't look all right. You look like you're feeling under the weather. And if everybody starts telling Tom that over the span of three or four days, the fourth day, Tom's going to be sick. And it's not going to be anything that he ate or a sickness that he caught. It's all the power of the mind. So they've tested this many times in different studies and people genuinely believe if you believe it, then you can manifest those symptoms and not actually be sick. So a lot of times you are unaware of the symptoms that come because doctors don't want to scare you with the symptoms. And then you start putting this stuff all in your head. So when they give you a medication, it is your ex it's up to you for you to actually look at what the side effects are after a month or two of having it and see if these things are happening to you. Because of course, medications are needed for certain hormone imbalance, for certain situations. But what I'm finding now is instead of working on nutrition, instead of eating right for your body type, instead of getting more rest or working on the coping mechanisms that you're using for stress, doctors don't have time to go through that stuff. So they're saying, take this birth control, take this thyroid medication, take this, that'll help with your weight. And what ends up happening is, is you start ingesting this hormone and it comes in an estrogen base in high amounts. And then it screws up your entire hormone system. All it takes is four weeks. And you know what? We've seen clients and I've worked with clients that have taken birth control five years ago, and they're still suffering from the side effects of the birth control that they took. Or their doctor told them to take hormone replacement therapy because their thyroid was slow. And now all of a sudden they've gained 30 to 40 pounds and they never had that issue even when they had their original health issue. So what happens is, is you're trading one thing for another from a side effect perspective, and that's never good. You never want to be doing that. So I always tell people, 
of course, focus on removing the plastics, making sure that you're uh, looking at the pesticides in your food and that you're getting things chemical free and looking at those ingredients. But also, if you're on medication, you need to look at minimizing your medication, eliminating your medication if possible, or perhaps switching to a different brand if you need it. So there are tons of clients that are prescribed something called levothyroxine, so like a thyroid medication. That's like a generic off-brand that doesn't really work well, and you have to take lots of it to go. And there's other brands. There are other brands that people can do where their dosage can be cut by a, a half or a third, and that will significantly reduce the side effects that they're getting from that medication. The doctors just prescribe the one that's easiest for you, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to manage that care and to do that. So these EDCs, all of these endocrine disrupting chemicals start affecting the way that your body operates. So I want you to take a look at those steps and start to wean them out over the span of the next couple of weeks. So what you'll find is you're going to start to feel gradually better your estrogen is going to stabilize, which is really important. Skin condition is going to improve. Your digestibility will improve. And those are really, really great starts. So that is going to be all for this episode. And remember, March 28th is going to be where we start talking about the uh, testosterone uh, seminar. So alongside looking at, of course, all of these endocrine disruptors, if you're having issues with these endocrine issues, then there might also be an imbalance from a testosterone perspective too. So it is worth checking out. Uh, the info for that is in the show notes, but that is all from me. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. Well, it seems I'm all out of info juice for today. That's all for this episode. And thank you so much for listening. Please leave a raving review for me if you've learned something good and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Now, if you're in the mood for some more great content and tools to get your hormones on track, why not check out our free Facebook group and the blog on our site? We do amazing weekly trainings in our group that me and my wife call Tea and Teachings that give good tips for anything hormones and metabolism related. It's also a great community where you get to share your goals and success with like-minded people just like you. I'll make sure to drop both the Facebook group link and the blog link in the show notes for you. Or if you're ambitious like me, the name of the group is Weight Loss and Balanced Hormones. Uh, it'll say fit for all beside it with a picture of me. So come and join us and have more fun.